Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Hello, wackos. Welcome to another episode of Without a Country. I am Corinne Fisher. Good to see you, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who came out to Zany Chicago to see me this past weekend. Every show was pretty much sold out. There was like one show that had a couple seats in the back, and I will lose sleep over it. But other than that, we sold out the entire weekend. So thank you so much. Not bad with only uh, a couple weeks' notice for those gigs, right? Always good to be in Chicago. I love you guys. I did go to the uh, medieval torture museum. Um, I, it's, it's alarming how many medieval torture museums I've been to. And, uh, every time I'm walking around going, hmm, it doesn't really get easier to stomach these tortures. And I can't believe that people actually did this to each other, but here we are. Sometimes you need to put a rat in a cage on someone's stomach and then put hot coals over it to force the rat to eat through their intestines because they did something bad, like gossiped around town. And these are like real reasons that people got um, got the death penalty. Or it would be like there was one where they like Joker style slit your face open and that's just like if you're too hot. That was literally the reason like a wife who was too hot, they, they would just joker style slit your face. So that's fun. You know, whenever you're feeling like life's got you down, it's just remind yourself, hey, at least I don't live in medieval times. I guess some of you did and your soul was reincarnated during this time, but you don't really remember that. Well, I guess the body keeps the score. But, you know, here we are. Here we are. Modern times. Um, still pretty gnarly, but uh, getting better, getting better. There's improvements. Um, all right. So let's see. We're recording two shows today. We're doing a pre-record for the holidays as well. Uh, but you don't need to know that behind the scenes in formation. I'm going to start off with my enemy of the state. This week's enemy of the state is none other than Wheels himself, Greg Abbott. Enemy of the state. 
Uh-oh, Wheels is at it again, you guys. Lacking empathy as he signs um, a bill, a, a law that gives uh, state police in Texas the authority to arrest migrants for criminal trespassing. That's going to be my main story today, so we're actually going to get to that later in the show. But you know what? Whenever there's a problem, I say Wheels is probably behind this, and here he is again. Um, I I would just love to... I'm sure there's already a book about his life, but like... What happened to make Greg Abbott the most heinous person on the planet or one of the most heinous people? Usually when people get into like a debilitating accident, it 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 use it, like it provides clarity for them, right? They become a better person oftentimes. They see the light, they have more empathy, they have more sympathy. Not wheels. Not wheels. He said, I'm actually going to lean into being the worst person alive. Um, He is 66 years old, still married to Cecilia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he loves to be racist, but also is married to a Latina. I always forget these facts about little Greggy Poo. Um, All right. So that's fun. It's also the hypocrisy in that because of uh, his wife, Cecilia. All right, moving on. Um, again, we'll stick a pin in that and we'll get to that later because I did choose that as the main story. I think it is pretty big news. I think it's important. And like I said, we can't you know, use Israel and Palestine as the main story every week because that will continue on until the end of time. Still not resolved. Update, still not resolved. Um, but, you know, the constant comments, uh, writing free Palestine uh, or uh, putting a, an Israeli flag on the comments uh, section uh, for Instagram of your favorite celebrities really is helping. I'm sure we'll find a solution momentarily because of your hard work on in the emojis section. So thank you, everyone, for your activism. Uh, this uh, is a response to the conversation the ongoing conversation I was having about emergency vet care. Uh, a lot of people who work uh, for veterinarians or are veterinarians or are vet technicians uh, listen to this show, and that makes me incredibly happy. So this is an email from one of those people. Hey, Corinne, longtime listener of Guys We Fucked and Without a Country. I heard your spot questioning about emergency care for pets and felt I could provide some perspective. Well, I hope no one has to experience an emergency vet visit. I think shedding light on your questions can help alleviate anxieties surrounding an emergency visit, especially when in a life-threatening situation with your pet. I mean, I've been to the emergency room with Alfred multiple times times i think most pet owners will during their during their just because animals always putting shit in their mouths you know I've worked 12 years as a specialty veterinary uh, technician in emergency and critical care. Every hospital I've worked in, if a patient is actively dying, we will immediately start stabilization for the pet while we assess what's going on and allow time for the doctor to review their exam, treatment that would be required, prognosis, and the unfortunate piece of how much said treatment will cost with the owner. I have never worked in a hospital where we let the pet suffer or die while these conversations are happening. 
We'd provide chest compressions if CPR is needed, IV fluids, oxygen support, pain medications, stopping of any actively bleeding wounds, essentially any life-saving interventions while we talk with the owner. However, the veterinary profession does not have the same obligations as the human healthcare profession. In theory, if you show up to an emergency hospital with your pet hemorrhaging, there is a chance that you may not receive help for your pet if you're unable to pay for treatment. The unfortunate reality is that everything we do is only possible due to people being able to pay for our services. Most people do not have pet insurance, and even if people do, the majority of insurances do not pay the hospital directly, but rather reimburse pet owners after they pay the hospital. So we're still reliant on owners being able to drop thousands of dollars for life-saving treatment for their pet. Being able to pay for veterinary treatment is an unfortunate reality our profession faces, and one many vets and hospitals are persecuted for. We are not money-hungry monsters that hate pets. In fact, majority of us battle major compassion fatigue, burnout, depression, and anxiety due to how much we care about helping animals and needing money to be part of these conversations. Right now, we're experiencing a veterinarian shortage because we're dumb, and it's the hardest one of like the hardest degrees to get. So <laughs> we're stupid. As well as credentialed veterinary technician similar to an RN in human healthcare. One reason being burnout and compassion fatigue. I'm not gonna add stupidity to um to the veterinarian part, not the uh veterinary tech part. Um a veterinary technician on average lasts five years in the field. Not that you're not smart, but you know, um, maybe maybe that's my next thing in in life. Maybe I'll be a vet tech because. Again, I that's I maybe I could do that. Um, and two years in emergency medicine. Veterinarians is one of the top ten professions that experience high suicide rates. I did know that. There's a wide variety of reasons for this, but the complex issue of people and veterinary professions wanting to do everything we can to help the pet, but needing money to be part of the conversation and often being a limiting factor is one of them. Right. I mean, obviously you have to pay for the services, but I also wonder like some things like if you already have the machine and I know like a lot of times like you're basically renting a high level machine like until you can pay it off the same as if you own a spa. Uh, but like technically, if you already have the machine, isn't that like free? You know, you're like, are you like I'm curious, like what are the things that you're actually using that are actually causing a like a deficit in the money in the practice. You know, obviously you have to be able to pay people um, their salaries and vet techs have a normal salary, but I'm guessing veterinarians and, you know, they should have a, a high salary, but like what if they, I'm not saying they take a pay cut, but like are they also like overpaid the way doctors are, you know? It's like the tech and the nurse, the RN roles are underpaid and the, and the other roles are overpaid. No, this is, I'm just like spitballing in my head. Like, is there actually something that you're like putting money on the table to provide this care or is it just to pay people their um, wages? Again, either way, people need to get paid, obviously. Um, we can, un unfortunately... Uh, not provide our services for free as that would not be sustainable to keep up with quality medicine practices, a knowledgeable medical team, and working equipment. 
Okay. The hospitals that I've worked at, it's just thinking, I'm just thinking of like, okay, but then how are, so the people who are doing like the uh, veterinary care for like unhoused animals or, you know, the equivalent of a doctors without borders for animals, those are just volunteers. And like, that's not what you're doing, obviously, if you're showing up at an emergency veterinary hospital. The hospitals that I've worked uh, at, we will try to work with owners on what they're able to afford while also keeping in mind prognosis or how sick their pet is. Yeah, and that's definitely, I've definitely been uh, greeted with options at my uh, vet's office. She'll be like, "This is these are the tests I would recommend. These are the ones I definitely think you should have. These are the ones that are like, take them or leave them. Uh, that unfortunately means that euthanasia is often part of these conversations as a critically injured or ill pet's treatment can cost thousands or tens of thousands of dollars depending on the specific illness or injury they have, and euthanasia can be the kinder option in these situations. I also wonder why some of these costs are as high as they are and if they actually need to or if this is capitalism and greed, and I'm guessing it's that. As for financial assistance, there are some companies that veterinary hospitals work with that offer payment plans for owners. The biggest one is Care Credit, which is a credit card for medical expenses. <laughs> that sounds so fake. My biggest recommendation to anyone getting a pet is to either get pet insurance as soon as you get your pet or have an emergency fund of several thousand dollars. I would say at least $5,000 for an emergency visit or have a credit card that is specifically for that purpose. Right. So you can like basically max out. You have the credit card. You can max it out if you needed to and then just pay it back uh, as you can. People looking uh, to help if they already have insurance and emergency fund, I encourage them to ask their local veterinary hospitals, especially their local low cost or emergency hospitals, if they have a donation fund to help pets whose families need financial assistance. And I think that's a really cool idea for donating. Like, so instead of donating to, you know, a larger organization where you don't really know how that money is going to be allocated, if you go to the literal veterinarian office in your town and say, I would like to make this donation for a family or a couple families who weren't able to pay their medical bills or the next time someone comes in with a life-threatening um, emergency for their pet, they, you know, I can be their guardian, guardian angel. I never really even thought of that. Uh, that's a great idea. Thank you for advocating for pets and animals and trying to help provide perspectives to help people understand. And this is for, from... It's K-Y-A-L, but I'm guessing it, you still say it Kyle, but if not, sorry, but it's a credentialed veterinary technician. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So yeah, it kind of, it's interesting like, oh, you're not going to, I guess anything where you have to, you know, start cutting the animal open to stop the uh, issue that's happening, that's when you're going to have the conversation. But if it's something you can do without surgery, like if they just need, you know, air or medicine or that kind of thing, um, or, uh, you know, to stop the bleeding, as they said, then that will be administered while the conversations about money go on. There is such a stench in this room right now. It smells like eight eight kinds of fast food were eaten in here and it was absorbed into the chairs. And it is so distracting. <laughs> I want to hurl. I hate working with only men. It's, there's like two girls in this whole studio. Um, what are you? Are you coming in here to whiff it? Yeah. No, don't. No, don't put the air on. I'm already cold. Oh, 
The chair is like who sat here? It feels wet. Oh my god! It like I could tell. It was like it feels like wet. It smells like fucking chicken and onion rings in here. I, mean, that's just my, what I, had for I understand, but how? Why? How did it absorb into the chairs? If anyone wants to be a female comedian, don't. This is a, was the worst idea of my fucking life. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Now we're gonna move on to girl. Let's see. Uh, this is from theweek.com. You guys probably saw this story. This was a big story. The Vatican's same-sex blessing. Uh, what is Pope Francis doing? Uh, uh, you know, happy holidays, gay lords. It was so big of Pope Francis to say that, you know, you he blesses that you can be gay. I mean, okay. It's, it's kind of ridiculous at this point because obviously the church is just a business. It's a, the church is a business above a, a anything. Um, and in 2023, like you have to let people be gay. It's the same as even like if you're running on a Republican platform, unless someone's extremely far right, you're going to lose if you're anti-choice. So I think the, the Vatican is basically learning the same thing. It's like if we want to keep the business of the Vatican going in these modern times, we have to start accepting gay people because there's too many people who are gay themselves. And if you're, you yourself are not gay, you definitely have at least a close family member who you love and care about or a friend who is gay. And you're just not going to kind of lean into this homophobia anymore more for the sake of religion. So again, this is from theweek.com, the Vatican same-sex blessing approval. What is Pope Francis doing? The Pope rocked the Catholic world. I mean, how fucking archaic and far behind can you be? By giving the green light to blessing same-sex couples with, of course, plenty of caveats. The Vatican surprised everyone Monday... <laughs> With a document approved by Pope Francis that invites pr priests to bless same-sex couples so long as the blessing doesn't imply equivalence with the sacrament of marriage. The declaration from the Vatican's Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith supersedes a 2021 document that rejected the idea of blessing same-sex unions because, quote, God cannot bless sin. And I guess he Skyped in to let everyone know that. Uh, during COVID. The eight-page declaration, Fiducia Supplicants on the Pastoral Meaning of Blessings, is Pope Francis's most definitive step yet to make the Roman Catholic Church more welcoming to LGBTQ Catholics. And even the way that's written, it's like so, it's like a fucking press release, right? More welcoming to, yeah, because you they need more members and more reflective of his vision of a more pastoral and less rigid church, the New York Times assessed. Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, the new head of the Vatican's, I mean, that's the gayest name, uh, powerful a doctrinal office, said the document was prompted by the Pope's recent reply to conservative cardinals about blessing same-sex relationships. The new declaration doesn't and can't change the church's perennial teaching that marriage is an exclusive, stable, an indissoluble union between a man and a woman, the document underscored, but it seeks to broaden and enrich the meaning of blessings beyond those dispensed in a formal liturgical setting like a Catholic mass. Priests should not bless same-sex or other, quote, 
irregular couples and anything resembling a church rite or ritual, use wedding-like gestures or garments or words, or confer the blessing in connection with a same-sex civil union, the document cautions. But in more spontaneous situations, I mean, like, what a circuit party? When people ask for a blessing for an, a, an exhaustive Moral analysis should not be placed as a precondition for conferring it. Caveats aside, conservative Catholics were not pleased with the new declaration. University of Notre Dame theologian uh, Ulrich uh, Lenner called it the Vatican's most unfortunate public announcement in decades. I mean, I feel like the most unfortunate public announcement in decades was sorry for fucking your kids, but go off. And an invitation to schism. Uh, Some LGBTQ Catholics lamented that it did not go further. What is Pope Francis trying to do with this new declaration? What the commentator said. Pope Francis just put down a landmark and my milestone in the church's relationship with LGBTQ people that can't be overestimated or overstated, said Francis Bernardo, the executive director of gay Catholic advocacy group New Ways Ministry. This declaration is proof that church teaching can and does change because we're making it up as we go along. It's almost like God didn't actually say it. The conservative LifeSite News uh, agreed that the Pope is toying with the un unchangeable Catholic teaching that the church cannot bless sinful relationships. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, which has a large conservative contingent, the Times noted, disagreed. The church's teaching on marriage has not changed, and this declaration affirms that USCCB spokesperson Chico Noguchi said, Conscientious Catholics can see that the Pope is carefully drawing within the lines of orthodoxy, but other Catholics won't, and to me the confusion looks deliberate. Michael Brendan Doherty wrote at National Review. The underlying message is that as long as it all remains informal, priests can do what they want with same-sex blessings. It's another one of these ways to approve of homosexual relations without actually saying we're approving them. Fellow traditionalist Catholic author Peter Kwasniewski agreed. On the other hand, the new Vatican instructions could force a course correction to a number of Catholic bishops' conferences in Europe that have published guidelines for more ritualized blessings of same-sex unions, Christopher White suggested at the National Catholic Reporter. Everybody is making a big deal of this, but there were no doctrine-based justifications for not doing it, because in the Catholic Church, they also bless tanks, cars, tractors, even salt. Italian gay uh, Catholic activists Innocenzo Pontillo told the Washington Post. It's painful, though, that they should still feel compelled to reiterate, remember, it's not marriage. Look, we know it already. What's next? Catholic priests and bishops will have to interpret what the declaration means. Pope Francis doesn't plan to elaborate on possible ways to regulate details or practicalities, the document says. What has been said in this declaration regarding the blessings of same-sex couples is sufficient to guide the prudent and fatherly discernment of ordained ministers. The Pope has given a much-needed pastoral response to Catholic same-sex couples in loving, committed, and self-sacrificing relationships 
self-sacrificing what the fuck is going on uh who desire god's presence and help uh i don't know what fr means uh james martin father oh that's why i don't know what it means father uh james martin who advocates for greater lgbtq acceptance in the church wrote at outrage and as a priest i look forward to blessing same-sex couples as i've waited years to do I will never confer a blessing upon two men or two women who are involved in a sexual relationship that is by its nature gravely sinful, said uh, Father Gerald Murray, an outspoken conservative in New York. Imagine it's being 2023 with all the death and uh, destruction that's happening and your hard stance is still I hate queers. I mean, come on, guys. This is old. This is old, old, old stuff. Get on, pick something new. The Pope has placed priests who uphold Catholic doctrine about the immorality of sodomy and adultery into a terrible position. While priests figure that out, the Pope's move is unlikely to agitate most Catholics in the American pews, the Times reported. According to a 2019 Pew Research survey, 61% of U.S. Catholics who go to Mass every week support same-sex marriage. All right. And that's not just like that's same-sex marriage, right? And I bet that number would go up if you were just like, is it okay to be gay in general? Same-sex marriage, 61% of Catholics agree with. So these numbers are high. All right. Uh, abortion. That's another problem, apparently. All right. This one, a lot of you send it to me. Again, I had seen it, but there's just so much bad stuff going on. Sometimes I have to filter some out. Uh, but this has been updated as of today from CNN.com. A woman who had a miscarriage is now charged with abusing a corpse as stricter abortion laws play out nationwide. An Ohio woman and she is a woman of color, because I think that um, adds to making things even more tough. Uh, an Ohio woman who had sought treatment at a hospital before suffering a miscarriage and passing her non-viable fetus in her bathroom now faces a criminal charge, her attorney told CNN. Brittany Watts, 33, of Warren, has been charged with felony abuse of a corpse Trumbull County court records show Ms. Watts suffered a tragic and dangerous miscarriage that jeopardized her own life. Rather than focusing on healing physically and emotionally, she was arrested and charged with a felony, her attorney Tracy Timko told CNN in an email. Ms. Watts's case is pending before the Trumbull County grand jury. I have advised her not to speak publicly until the criminal matter has resolved." Though a coroner's office report said the fetus was not viable and had died in the womb, Watts's case highlights the extent to which prosecutors can charge a woman whose pregnancy has ended, whether by abortion or miscarriage. After last year's Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade and the federal right to an abortion, a host of straight trigger laws went into effect across the country that placed new restriction 
or bans on abortion. In turn, some women carrying fetuses with fatal abnormalities have been barred from having an abortion in their home states. Other women with potentially life-threatening pregnancies have also been unable to get an abortion, as medical exemption clauses can be vague and medical providers fear severe legal consequences. When asked whether the charge against Watts may have been influenced by the repeal of Roe v. Wade, her attorney said ignorance is the main factor. I mean, as it often is, my girl. I believe that this charge stems uh, from the lack of knowledge and or insight that men have regarding the realities of miscarriage and women's health in general, Tim Coe told CNN. I would say that even most women weren't aware until the past maybe like five years just how common it is to have a miscarriage and what actually happens when you miscarriage. Like truly you can miscarriage like by on your own toilet and it is extremely painful and of course uh extremely emotionally painful uh i don't believe the fetal personhood issue was something they considered or found relevant i believe this case demonstrates the need for education and showcases the sweep that the fetal personhood debate has even outside the context of abortion a prosecutor said Watts's actions after passing the fetus are at the center of the case. The issue isn't how the child died, when the child died. It's the fact that the baby was put into a toilet. Are you, what are we talking about right now? Number one, stop calling fetuses babies. They're not. It's a different thing. And she didn't fucking put it in. Like sometimes like it will come out when you are on the, you're in pain. It's like if you have, if you've ever had like a fucking really, a uh, bad period before there's just clumps of blood coming in the toilet right clumps of cells and shit uh uterine lining um uh it's the fact that the baby was put into a toilet large enough to clog up the toilet left uh in that toilet and she went on with her day i have to like what do we have the actual sequence of events i mean it's this is a crazy discussion to be having anyway um but like when you're it's also like when you're dispelling like what what are, what are we are we supposed to have fully have a funeral for this uh f- what are we doing what are we doing um left in that toilet and she went on with her day okay what was she supposed to do call send out a i just miscarried card to all her friends and family i just miscarried 0.2 ounces december 19th 5:38 a.m Prosecutor Louis Guarnieri, whatever, of course it was some fucking Italian, um, said at preliminary hearing last month, according to footage from WKBN. I'm Italian. Relax. Uh, Trumbull County Prosecutor's Office spokesperson Guy M. Vogren declined to comment on the case, telling CNN all cases at the grand jury level are secret proceedings under Ohio law. I bet. CNN has also reached out to the Warren Police Department uh, for comment. Days of bleeding and a critical timeline. Watts went to a hospital three times in four days due to vaginal bleeding, a report from the Trumbull County Coroner's Office says. When what what a surprise! Almost the same as like when people get killed in domestic violence cases. Women are always ex- pretty much always in the situations it seems doing their due diligence, and it's other people who are letting them down. Crazy! What a theme. Um, when she was first admitted to the labor and delivery department at St. Joseph's Hospital on September nineteenth, she was diagnosed with premature rupture of membranes and severe 
oligohydraminos, the report states. In other words, her water had broken prematurely and she had exceptionally low, if any, amniotic fluid. Although a fetal heartbeat was found, it was recommended by medical staff that an induction occur of the non-viable fetus, the coroner's office report states. At the time, Watts's pregnancy was 21 weeks, five days gestation, the report says. In Ohio, abortions are legal until fetal viability, which is generally considered to be around 22 to 24 weeks of pregnancy. After viability, the state can legally restrict abortion access unless the patient's life or health are at risk. However, Brittany Watts signed herself out of the hospital against medical advice on 9-19-2013. The coroner's office report states, CNN has asked her attorney about why Watts may have left the hospital without having the non-viable fetus induced as recommended by medical staff. I mean... Anytime I've left a hospital uh, when it was not recommended was was because they were trying to wring my wallet dry and I didn't feel like I needed to be there anymore because they weren't providing me with anything helpful. But we'll see. The next day, September 20th, Watts returned for the same issue and left against medical advice again. The coroner's office report states, Watts returned on September 20th, expecting to be induced to deliver her preterm pregnancy, according to the Washington Post. But for hours, doctors and officials mold the ethics of inducing labor for a woman who had been diagnosed with preterm premature rupture of membranes, PPROM, had no detectable amniotic fluid, was bleeding vaginally, and had advanced cervical dilation, the Post reported. Watts eventually left. Then on September 22nd, Watts returned to the hospital for vaginal bleeding with retained placenta after a home delivery, the coroner's office report states. According to medical records, Brittany Watts stated that at approximately 5.58 a.m., she delivered the fetus into the toilet of her residence. Police and coroner's staff respond to home. Like, I mean, they don't they don't really tell you what to do if you prematurely uh, deliver a non-viable fetus that they didn't go over that in health class. You know, uh, police and coroner's staff respond to home like I don't even like what do you, what would I put, put it in a fucking mason jar and bring it to the hospital like sell it on Etsy? Like, what do you do with it? Police and coroner's staff respond to home. Uh, the hospital staff notified the Warren Police Department, which responded to Watts's home, the coroner's office report says. CNN reached out to the hospital for comment about why staff notified police. Yeah, a bunch of fucking narcs there. I was going to say, I was like, is the, are they, do they have to do that? Like, are they required to or could have they, could have they been fucking cool about it? Uh, Maureen Richmond Vice President of Integrated Communications at Mercy Health, a Catholic healthcare system that includes St. Joseph Warren Hospital sent the following statement to CNN. I fucking hate the phrase a Catholic healthcare system. Yuck. The safety and security of every patient who comes to us for care is our highest priority. Out of respect. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Damn it. Sorry, the, the some an ad came up. Um, 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 um. I completely lost my place. Uh, the safety and security of every patient who comes to us for care is our highest priority. Out of respect for patient privacy, we will not discuss individual specifics of care. Cool. You're awesome. Uh, we're actually just going to charge you with uh, abusing a corpse, but everything else is on the DL. According to the coroner's office report, Brittany stated to police that she had taken the fetus out of the toilet 
and placed it in a black bucket. She then told police that she put the remains near their garage in the backyard. I mean, even calling it remains is insane. Like, that's like calling your, are we calling like fucking uterine lining remains when you have your period? Like, stop. An investigator from the coroner's office also responded to the scene. Near the side of the garage next to a large, like, did you guys know that? I don't know. I think the rules are probably different in every, like, city or state. But, like, did you know that if your fucking dog or cat dies, you can literally put them in a trash bag and then just put a post-it on it that says dead dog and then you can throw it directly in the trash can? But you, a non-viable fetus, apparently, we have to call the, call all the clergy for um, an investigator from the coroner's office also, and I know you're thinking, why? how does Corinne know this? Well, I'll tell you why. I had a dead rat in my yard, and I was like, let me Google this because I'm sure there's a, a specific protocol for disposing of dead animals. And I, I learned the protocol, right? A rat drowned in my backyard during um, a little a mini flood a couple uh, months ago, and I, I, I bagged it up with my own hands, and I put it in the trash, and I put a little post-it on it that said, wrap away. Um an investigator from the coroner's office also responded to the scene near the side of the garage next to a large trash can. There was a pile of tissue blood and what appeared to be paper towels in the weeds. The coroner's office investigator, Elena Jameson, wrote in the report. When Warren police detectives were called out to investigate the scene, they discovered the downstairs toilet was filled with blood. Yeah, as as often happens when you miscarriage, uh, the coroner's office report says looking into the toilet, it was filled to the brim with water, blood, blood clots and tissue. The coroner's investigator checked inside the toilet bowl and felt what appeared to be a small foot with toes. They're so dramatic. The investigator's report says the toilet was later broken apart by Warren police de uh, detectives and the fetus was retrieved. The report states an autopsy revealed the fetus's cause of death was intrauterine fetal demise, meaning the fetus died inside the womb due to severely low amniotic fluid from the premature rupture of membranes. Miscarriage is most common early in the first trimester, often before a woman knows she's pregnant. It's less common to naturally lose a fetus more than halfway through gestation, often known as stillbirth. About 2,100 stillbirths happen each year in the U.S. 21,000. 20, what did I say? 2,100. 2, so 21,000, sorry. About 21,000 stillbirths happen each year in the U.S., about one in 175 pregnancies, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So that's still a lot of stillbirths. One in 175, is, that's still a lot. Um, abuse of corpse laws hinge on, quote, sensibilities. And that's horrifying since few have those. Ohio law defines abuse of a corpse in somewhat subjective terms. You don't say something having to do with women's bodies that is subjective. What a wild, wild idea. No person except as authorized by law shall treat a human corpse and it says human here. It doesn't say fetal. Um, in a way that the person knows would outrage reasonable family sensibilities. I mean, can I go like Vlad the Impaler uh, style and put a, f a fetus on a on a stake outside my castle? Can I do that? Because it's so funny the way that we treat other living human beings and animals and sent um, sentient beings in general, yet we have to have a full ceremony for a non-viable fetus. Uh, this kind of abuse of a corpse would be a second degree misdemeanor.
In addition, no person except as authorized by law shall treat a human corpse in a way that would outrage reasonable community sensibilities. Like, what does that even fucking mean? Um, I want to um, human definition. Okay. Mm. I was looking at the actual definition of fetus, right? It says an offspring of a human or other mammal in the stages of prenatal development that follow the embryo stage in humans taken as beginning eight weeks after conception. Interesting. All right. Uh, all right. In addition, no person except as authorized by law shall treat a human corpse in a way that would outrage reasonable community sensibilities. The law says a violation of these terms constitutes gross abuse of a corpse, a fifth degree felony. However, there is no law in Ohio that requires a mother suffering a miscarriage to bury or cremate those remains, Watts's attorney said. Yeah, because I was going to say, I was like, I know several people, obviously not in Ohio, but like I know several people um, who have miscarried in New York and I'm like, there. what is the protocol? Because I'm pretty sure like flushing down the toilet was the fucking protocol. Like what are you to do? Uh, women miscarry into toilets every day, Tim Coe wrote in an email to CNN. In fact, the Ohio legislature has created broad immunity to women for acts or omissions during pregnancy and has admonished that women should in no case be criminalized for the circumstances or outcomes of their pregnancies. The prosecution of Ms. Watts is tragic and unjust, she wrote. We will continue to fight. Physicians say, and also, wait, so they're saying that this happened in 2013. Am I correct? Um, we both clocked that uh, in the in the article. We thought that was a misprint. Right, because I'm confused. I thought this was um, because, like, the thing is then, how, how can they misprint? How can CNN have a misprint like that? Because, I mean, then also that makes this woman a, a, mere, a mere 23 uh, years old at the time of the in quotes crime but that doesn't make sense with all the um attention this is getting because it's a, it's supposed to be you know like the outrage is that this is what's happening because of the overturning of roe v wade but like so wouldn't the the the, the quote crime should have been handled already yeah can you fact check that because i that was confusing to me as well uh okay the women miscarry into toilets every day blah 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 okay um physicians say the prosecution is ludicrous ohio physicians for reproductive rights slammed the criminal charge against watts saying it would deter other women who suffer miscarriages from seeking medical help as citizens we are outraged that the criminal justice system is being used to punish ms watts who like thousands of women each year spontaneously miscarried a non-viable fetus into a toilet and then flushed. The group said in an open letter to the Trumbull County prosecutor, um, by seeking to indict her, you are clearly implying that anyone who miscarries at any point in pregnancy in our state must retrieve the fetal tissue, whether they are at home, at work, at school, at a restaurant or other public place, and preserve it can I get a doggy bag for my fetus uh, until the tissue can be disposed of properly, even though Ohio law does not define what a proper disposal method would be? Can you do it like an animal in New York State, put it in a trash bag and put a post-it on it that says uh, non-viable fetus inside? Like, I think that is a great idea. 
That fact alone renders your prosecution both unjust and ludicrous, the letter says. As physicians, we are deeply concerned that your actions will deter women who miscarry from obtaining the medical attention they need and deserve. And right there is this whole fucking thing in a nutshell. Have you found clarification there? So every other article I'm reading just references September 22nd, which... You know. So that, I must they means they must have meant September twenty second, twenty twenty three, and so it was a one digit misprint with the twenty thirteen. Yeah. Because also, these articles I'm sure would have also pointed out that you know if she was twenty three, not thirty three, that this is a fucking child on top of this. I'll email the editor, let them know. Are you being one fac- got through? Are you being facetious? I do this often. Wow, we're finding so much about you. Do you like also leave a, a lot of Yelp reviews? No, I'm not a Yelp review guy, but I do. I do like to. I like to hit up the editor and then go back and check and see, like in parentheses, editor's note. Uh, the previous they, version of this article made it seem like X, Y, and oh, Z. You uh, like, makes me so happy. It's like it's like you yourself were a journalist. You're being the ch- the change you wish to see in the world, Michael. I like to think of it as like my own Wikipediaing without actually making a Wikipedia account. This is beautiful. I feel like you you and my mom would get along well because uh, that's the kind of thing that DiFi would do. Um, all right, what would DiFi do, baby? Uh, Hey there, responsible wackos over the age of 21 living in states where Delta 8 is legal. Do you want to get high? Do you want to get really high? Do you want to get really super duper legally high? Well, then now's the time to go to YoDelta.com where you can stock up on high quality lab tested Delta 8. You know about this product uh, already. We've talked about it. We've talked about that it works. We've talked about that my friends always order more, so they must like it. It must help them disassociate. The holidays are a great time to disassociate. You know, get a vape, get a gummy, disassociate. If you're over the age of 21 and living in the majority of states where this is legal, you're going to head over to YoDelta.com and stock up on Delta 8. Delta 8 is found in hemp and can be legally shipped to various states to get you high at YoDelta.com. You can find a mix of gummies and vapes for all your getting stoned needs. Uh, I can tell you that Delta 8 works, which is not at all a weird thing to put in copy for a product, and that these products should be taken responsibly. So once more, that's YoDelta.com, the official Delta 8 sponsor of the Gas Digital Network. If you use promo code GAS, G-A-S, you're going to get 25% off. Once more, that's promo code GAS, G-A-S, for 25% off. Yo Delta, home of the Delta 8 that will get you super high. Now, back to the news. Let's go on to the next story. This was a fun one that I just, this is the one that I discovered um, uh, via TikTok because there was a, a fire TikTok going around uh, about this story. This is from Vanity Fair. They do some good writing in Vanity Fair. I think people don't know that. Under scandals, Bridget and Christian Ziegler, everything we know about the MAGA couple scandal involving threesomes, an alleged payout, a rape accusation, and the height of Republican hypocrisy. Tell me more. 
Tell me more. Uh, a rape accusation against the chairman of the Republican Party of Florida, same-sex sexual encounters involving a woman who has supported Florida's don't say gay law, allegations of secretly recorded threesomes and alleged demand for $2 million to go away, a shout out from Donald Trump. What do these things have in common? They all involve Bridget and Christian Ziegler, the Florida MAGA couple who have found themselves in the news a lot lately and not for anything good. Here's everything we know about the duo and their scandal so far. <laughs> Hashtag couple goals. Who are Bridget and Christian Ziegler? They're a Florida Republican power couple. He's the chairman of the state's Republican Party, and she's the co-founder of the conservative group Moms for Liberty, sits on the Sarasota County School Board, and was appointed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to the board that took over Disney's special taxing district after it spoke out against his bigoted Don't Say Gay Law. Primarily because in November, Christian was accused of raping a woman a month prior. According to a search warrant affidavit, Christian and Bridget, who are married, had made plans to have sex with the alleged victim on October 2nd. But after Bridget couldn't make it, the woman canceled writing in a text message, sorry, I was mostly in for her. According to the affidavit, minutes later, she opened her apartment door to find Christian, who the affidavit says proceeded to enter her apartment and rape her. Per the affidavit, I'm actually surprised that specific story didn't get more coverage. Have you even heard of that before this coverage of Moms of Liberty? A threesome? Trust me. What, the threesome? No, 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 the rape. No, 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 no. There's God, so no. many. You know what? It's nice to live in a world where there's so many rapes I can't even keep up. And I'm someone who has my finger on the pulse of rapes, and I can't even uh, keep up with all the rapes that are happening. You know? Wow. Uh, per the affidavit, later that month, detectives monitored Instagram DMs between Christian and the woman in which he allegedly asked several times how he could help her with her responding, you caused this, you can't help me. Later, detectives wrote in the affidavit, he repeatedly referred to the victim as his friend in an effort to minimize the situation, which is such a common tactic for the rapist to do when uh, talking to the victim after. And I know you're, you know, you're sitting out, why would, why would you be DMing with someone who raped you? Because it fucking happens all the time because it fucks with your head right because rape isn't someone jumping out of a bush's most time to rape you it's someone that you know that took advantage of you which is exactly what happened here i would say this is actually classic rape the things didn't go the man the way the man wanted so he took control and yes women can rape too i know but it's just seemingly the numbers are a bit uh, different uh leaning in the man's direction um all right. Uh, he would deflect by trying to change the subject when confronted. At one point, he wrote, where are you? Want to meet and chat? Worried about you? You are my friend. Oh, my God. To which the victim responded, hell no, not after what you did to me. Do you not understand? I am terrified of you. Christian Ziegler, who was under criminal investigation, but thus far not uh, thus far has not been charged, has denied the rape allegation and claimed the interaction was consensual. Where does Bridget Ziegler come into all of this? According to the search warrant affidavit, the Ziegler's per NBC News had a long time consensual uh, sexual relationship with the accuser. Uh, Brittany, uh, Bridget Ziegler has not been accused of wrongdoing. 
but she at least looks guilty of incredible hypocrisy given her anti-LGBTQ plus work. Ziegler has said, well, that's the thing, right? Okay, because I think a lot of, I think it like she probably didn't even almost like in her head acknowledge that she was engaging in quote unquote gay or bisexual behavior because it is so... Like it has been so normalized for women to have a threesome to, you know, to turn uh, their male partner on. Like I feel like many people have in their heads like been like, no, that's just like me doing something to make my husband or my partner horny. Like that's not uh, homosexual at all. And that's not I'm not bisexual. I'm not part of the LGBTQ community. That's the community that I like to make things tough for. Um Ziegler has said she had a hand in helping write Florida's Don't Say Gay Law and Moms for Liberty, which Ziegler co-founded, has been labeled an extremist organization by the Southern Poverty Law Center. It advocates, per the Seattle Times, against school curricula that mention LGBTQ plus rights, race, critical race theory, and discrimination, while multiple chapters have also campaigned to ban from school libraries books that address gender and sexuality issues. The group has said two girls kissing during a homecoming event was lewd and traumatic. It tried to get a book. Two girls kissing is nice. Everyone can always, come on. I think that's something we can all agree on. It's always nice. Uh, It tried to get a book with an illustration of seahorses linking tails band, and it attacked the Trevor Project, which which works to prevent suicide among LGBTQ plus teens. Last year on an episode of Field Report with Paola Ramos, um, or is it Paola or Paola? How do you say that? Um, A Moms for Liberty activist said LGBTQ plus students should be taught separately from their straight cisgender peers, likening the situation to children with autism or Down syndrome being put in separate classes. Uh, Okay. What are the people around the Ziegler saying? The entire Sarasota County School Board has demanded Bridget Ziegler resign, which she has refused to do, saying this week she was disappointed that they asked her to step down. Paulina Testerman, one of the founders of Support Our Schools, which defends public education, told the Daily Beast, many of us has, have stood at the podium of countless school board meetings and listened to Mrs. Ziegler drag the LGBT uh, plus community. So it's natural to want to celebrate when bullies get what's coming. Ziegler's term ends in 2026 and only DeSantis can remove her. As for Christian Ziegler, the calls for him to resign as chair of the Florida Republican Party have been deafening, with everyone from DeSantis to Speaker uh, of the Florida House and the state Senate president, as well as Senator Rick Scott, calling for him to resign. I mean, that's rough when that list of people wants you to resign. Michael Thompson, that definitely means you raped, right? Uh, uh, Michael Thompson, the leader of the Lee County Republican Executive Committee, told NBC News he guesses just 2% of party leaders want Ziegler to stay on as chair. Ziegler has thus far resisted calls to resign unless... What's this about $2 million? Ziegler has allegedly said he'll go if he's paid $2 million to step down. Imagine raping and then getting reimbursed or getting paid $2 million. That's 
that's your punishment for raping. Uh, Michael Thompson told the Washington Post, my first thought when I heard it was I laughed and so did the person who told me what was being discussed or asked. There will never be a buyout. Ziegler's salary as chair is $120,000. Ziegler insisted to the Washington Post that claims he demanded a buyout are 100% not true. Well, you also said you didn't rape, so it seems like we probably can't believe you. Is anyone backing the guy? Only the best of the best per NBC News. Among those who are advocating for Ziegler to stay in place and not resign are former Trump administration official Steve Bannon, Oh, haven't heard about that guy in a while. A prominent conservative media personality and Corey Lewandowski, who has worked on several political roles in the past with Ziegler, who runs his own Republican consulting firm. On phone calls, Bannon said Ziegler would become a MAGA hero if he stayed on amid the sexual battery investigation and calls for his resignation. According to a Florida GOP official directly familiar with the calls, the official said Lewandowski told Ziegler that fundraising will come from his decision to stand strong and not resign. Bannon did not return a request seeking comment. Lewandowski declined to comment for this story. NBC knows, uh, News notes that Ziegler has a notoriously defiant public political persona. Uh, yeah, seems so. Uh, saying at a Moms for Liberty media training in July that one should never apologize ever, adding, I think apologizing makes you weak. Has Donald Trump weighed in? Not directly, though it likely won't surprise you to hear that in November, the ex-president and likely GOP nominee said in a speech that Ziegler, quote, has done a fantastic job as state party chair. What's next? Ziegler faces a vote this Sunday to remove him as party chair. Bridget and Christian Ziegler did not immediately respond to Vanity Fair's request for comment. All right. Well, that's fun. That's exciting. Uh, all right. Can you turn the air off? Did you turn the air off in here or is it still on? It's Arctic in here. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, okay. And I want to play this TikTok regarding specifically Bridget uh, Ziegler as well. Do you do you need to do that, Mike, or can Natalie do it? We're gonna watch this TikTok, um, which is uh, a young person commenting on why Bridget Ziegler should step down and it's to me it's it's a big finger snap great stuff great stuff i love i love finding the kids on tiktok there's no Bridget, our first ever interaction was when you retweeted a hate article about me from The Nationalist while I was a Sarasota County school student. It's a gay guy, obviously. You are a reminder that some people view politics as a service to others, while some view it as an opportunity for themselves. On this board, you have spent public funds that could have been used to increase teacher pay, to change our district lines for political gain, remove mm. books from schools, target trans and queer children, erase black history, and elevate your political career, all while sending your children to private schools because you do not believe in the public school system that you've been leading. 
My question is why doesn't an elected official using our money to harm our students and our teachers for her gain seem to matter as much to us as her having a threesome does? Bridget Ziegler, you do not deserve to be on the Sarasota County School Board, but you do not deserve to be removed from it for having a threesome. That defeats the lesson we've been trying to teach you, which is that a politician's job is to serve their community, not to police personal lives. So, to be extra clear, Bridget, <laughs> you deserve to be fired from your job because you are terrible at your job, <laughs> not because you had sex with a woman. Yes. Snap, snap. Love it. Love it. And yeah, agreed. Well, it's also kind of wonky, like information, because it's like, okay, yeah, like obviously, like have all the threesomes you want. We're just saying that you're a fucking hypocrite and the whole thing is insane and you're doing a terrible job to begin with. So that is what took me there. I love it. Um, next up, cuties. They're still cutieing, guys. Uh, this is from Variety. Cuties, Netflix wins appeal. Well, it's not that kind of cuties. They're not animals, Michael. It depends on who you ask. Ew! <laughs> Cuties, Netflix... That's a father right there. Uh, Cuties, Netflix wins appeal blocking child porn charges. Uh, and if you guys have been with the show for a long time, you know that Joe DeRosa and I spent a long time discussing Cuties. We watched it. We discussed it. I dressed up as one of the Cuties for Halloween. It's been a whole good time. I was in support of Cuties. I do not think it's child pornography. I think it is adults who sexualize children. Um, but uh, whatever. With, uh, with our adult nasty toxic thoughts i think they were just dancing an appeals court on monday blocked a texas uh, district attorney from pursuing child pornography charges against netflix for showing the french film cuties in a three to zero ruling the fifth circuit court of appeals upheld a lower court injunction that put the prosecution on an indefinite hold netflix released the film in September 2020, sparking immediate controversy over its depiction of a teen dance troupe, Lucas Babin, the elected DA in Tyler County, Texas, indicted the streamer for promotion of lewd visual material depicting a child. The film does not contain any sex scenes. The underage actors are shown doing provocative dance steps while clothed, which is interesting because this is a big um, discussion on TikTok, on Instagram reels as well, uh, with modern dance um with modern dance moves not specifically modern dance i would say it's more like hip-hop dance a lot of times a lot of you know a lot of the movements you know i guess like with your adult gaze could be considered sexual but like they are that's just like how you dance like that's what modern moves look like and so there's often a lot of discussion in the comments about that and i am definitely on the side of it is it is adults sexualizing children. Like when I, when I was like a kid doing dance moves like the, of that nature, I mean, obviously like I'm, I'm older, so it has, wasn't like as quote unquote provocative or whatever, but like I never felt it. I, I, there was many instances where someone made comments about like my twirling uniform or moves that we were making. And it was always the adult who was, it's making me feel bad like I did something wrong for the move when I had not thought of it as sexual at all until that moment when they brought it up. So like this is like not something I'm imagining. And I think this is something that many people who have been in, you know, competitive cheerleading uh, or twirling or dance that would resonate with them. Um, and uh, that's what really upset me about it, because it's like we're, when we're putting together the choreography, 
it's honestly like a really nice time. It's mostly like you're just around other gals and you're having this like wonderful bonding moment. And then of course some fucking adult has to float in and sexualize it and ruin your good time. And on top of ruining your good time, make you feel like you did something dirty or gross or wrong. And it's just not so. Uh, The underage actors are shown doing provocative dance steps. Also the word provocative is like so fucking lame. Uh, Steps while clothed. And there is also a brief glimpse of an adult woman bare breast oh my god the streamer took the case to federal court arguing that babin was pursuing the case in bad faith and he had no hope of obtaining a conviction in november 2022 a federal judge granted netflix's request for an injunction saying he was unconvinced that cuties contains child pornography babin appealed to the fifth circuit which upheld the injunction on monday i would love to go through this person's hard drive because you know if babin is spending this long saying that cuties has child pornography babin has child pornography i mean just lift up his floorboards um netflix had now my my headphones went out. Netflix has shown at this stage that it has been subjected to a, a bad faith prosecution and injury we have already deemed irreparable. Uh, irreparable? Irreparable. Um, uh, wrote Judge... Uh, Uh, wrote Judge Don R. Willett. The balance of equities also favors Netflix. It has an obvious interest in the continued exercise of its First Amendment rights, and the state has no legitimate interest in a bad faith prosecution. Babin's office and Netflix did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Babin dropped the initial lewd material charge in February 2022, nearly a year and a half after the grand jury indictment. Netflix had filed a habeas corpus petition challenging the charge after a ruling in a separate case found the Texas statute violated the First Amendment. Babin then brought four new indictments accusing Netflix of distributing child pornography, a more serious allegation. The company's only option in state court would have been to defend itself at trial, so instead the streamer sought a federal injunction. Babin was represented by the Texas Attorney General's office in the appeal. The office argued that Babin was exercising appropriate prosecutorial discretion in filing the charges and that the federal injunction was an improper intrusion on state sovereignty. The case drew the attention of First Amendment organizations and media outlets, a group including the Motion Picture Association, Penguin Random House, the News Media Alliance, the Texas Tribune, and many others filed an amicus brief in June in support of Netflix. The group argued that the cuties prosecution could chill reporting and advocacy around issues like rape and child sex trafficking. The brief cited the Hulu documentary Pretty Baby Brooke Shields, in which the actor discusses her objectification as a teen star as the kind of expression that might be hindered if the cuties prosecution were allowed to go forward. Judging the artistic merits of works should not be left to the whims of government officials, the Amici wrote, uh, although a government official may personally agree with the message promoted in an expressive work, this country has decided, as guided by its history and U.S. Supreme Court precedent, that the government, much less one government official, should not dictate what is allowed in the marketplace of ideas. Hear, hear. Cuties tells the story of an 11-year-old uh, Senegalese, um, Senegalese immigrant um, 
girl who is caught between her conservative traditional culture and the more permissive climate in France. The director, Maimouna Ducore, has said that she made the film in order to call attention to the sexualization of young girls on social media. And I thought, did a fantastic job. Yeah, it's dangerous, she said in a Netflix promotional interview. We are able to see oppression of women in other cultures. But my question is, isn't the objectification of a woman's body that we often see in our Western culture not another kind of oppression? It is, girlfriend. It is. Uh, All right. I feel like cuties. I mean, it's the Netflix movie that will never die. Cuties still cutin. Cutie and cuties be cutieing. Um, this next story is about the climate. We don't talk about the climate enough on this show, mostly because it's a, it's it's not a boring discussion, but the articles about climate change are super boring, which is unfortunately not great um, for uh, podcasting. And also, it, I think another reason it's not discussed as much is because like we just don't fucking know what to do. And, and the kind of stories that people like are stories where people can spitball ideas that they think will work. I mean, even in the literal ongoing issue in the Middle East that has been going on for decades and decades and decades, people still spitballing ideas there, right? And they think that they think they're onto something, but people can't even try to grasp climate change. Um, so I think those two things combined are why we don't talk about it enough, because we'd rather discuss why the green M&M is wearing the shoes she's wearing. All right, this is from NPR. Uh, climate, a known carcinogen is showing up in wildfire ash and researchers are worried. We're dying. All right. It's widely known that wildfire smoke is bad for your health. Damn, I had no idea. But a group of researchers recently found a known carcinogen in California wildfire ash, raising concerns about just how harmful it could be to breathe the air near a blaze. According to a study released in Nature Communications last week, researchers discovered dangerous levels of hexavalent chromium in samples of ash left behind by the Kincaid and Hennessy fires in 2019 and 2020. Workers in the manufacturing industry who've been exposed to elevated levels of hexavalent chromium or chromium-6 have higher rates of lung cancer, according to the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences. Scott Fendorf, a professor at the Door School of Sustainability at Stanford University who worked on a study, said he was shocked by the results. Up until that point, if we had a wildfire, I was pretty cavalier about it, to be truthful. We get the alerts and I would still go outside and exercise, thinking exercise was the better factor for my health. I mean, listen, we don't experience that as much on the east coast but um what it was was it fires in canada that like a, like not too long ago like within the past year in the summer that i remember uh, especially being at my store in larchmont and i mean i would step outside and number one, the color was different of the air and you really couldn't breathe i definitely kept my dog outside for really really limited amounts of time it was very bad So even just going off my own, what it feels like to be a human in the world and what it feels to have lungs and breathe, like, yeah, this is dangerous. When that shit happens, you can't be outside. And definitely going for a jog outside is much worse for you than sitting on your couch and just watching a TV show. Now, it completely changes my calculation. When we start to get wildfire warnings or smoke warnings, I'm going to be wearing an N95 mask. In some affected areas... And I think we also, a lot of us have mask fatigue. So we're like, I don't even fucking care what's in the air. I just don't even want to wear a mask anymore. 
In some affected areas, the study found that the concentration of chromium-6 was up to seven times that of unburned land. Though the researchers only found hexavalent chromium in samples of wildfire ash and not wildfire smoke itself, Fendorf said they inferred that it was likely also present in the smoke. He said the team intends to collect samples from wildfire smoke in the future to test that hypothesis. Still, the findings are especially alarming given that climate change is making wildfires burn larger and more frequently across the globe. People in fire-prone areas are experiencing more blazes, but wildfire smoke is also floating hundreds or even thousands of miles away, affecting populations far from the flames. Smoke from the wildfires in Canada over the summer caused air quality to plummet across the U.S. There you go. And even darkened the skies over parts of Europe. Metals such as chromium naturally exist in the environment, such as in rocks like serpentinite. In this case, Fendorf said, the wildfire's intense heat appears to have transformed chromium into its hexavalent state. The fire changes a benign metal into a very toxic form of that metal, he said. Hexavalent chromium is also known as the Erin Brockovich chemical, named for the consumer advocate whose legal battle to help a small California town affected by the compound was immortalized in a now-famous film starring Julia Roberts. The Stanford team only tested ash from several areas in California, but Fendorf said the test sites contained various types of geology and vegetation, leading researchers to believe the results would be applicable to many regions across the globe. All right, guys. So, yeah, flames and smoke are bad for you, and apparently even worse than we first thought. So just jot that down. This one is about uh, Julian Assange. Uh, this is from Reuters. I haven't heard about good old Julian in a while, so I wanted to just update you on him. Julian Assange's final appeal against U.S. extradition to be held in February. So that's something to look forward to for the new year, okay? London, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's possible final legal challenge to stop his extradition from Britain to the United States, where he is wanted on criminal charges, will be held at London's High Court in February, his supporters said on Tuesday. Assange, 52... He does, he's not aging well, is wanted by U.S. authorities on 18 counts, including one under a spying act relating to WikiLeaks' release of vast troves of confidential U.S. military records and diplomatic cables, which Washington said had put lives in danger. Julian Assange, kind of a bad boy, though, you know, right? Look at him. Look at him again. Oh, I guess he doesn't look bad for 52. That was just a bad photo. Sorry, I'm just being rude to men the way people are rude to women. Um, Britain has given the go-ahead for his extradition, but he has been trying to overturn that decision. Campaigners said a public hearing would take place at the high court on February 20 to 21st when two judges will review an earlier ruling which had refused Assange permission to appeal. The two-day hearing may be the final chance for Julian Assange to prevent his extradition to the United States, WikiLeaks said in a statement. WikiLeaks's first came to prominence in 2010 when it released hundreds of thousands of 
of secret classified files and diplomatic cables in what was the largest security breach of its kind in U.S. military history, which U.S. prosecutors say imperiled the lives of agents named in the leaked material. Assange's supporters say he is an anti-establishment hero who has been victimized because he exposed U.S. wrongdoing and that his prosecution is an assault on journalism and free speech. He spent seven years holed up in Ecuador's embassy in London before he was dragged out and jailed in 2019 for breaching bail conditions. He has been held in prison ever since while his extradition case is decided. His lawyers have also applied to the European Court of High uh, of Human Rights, which could potentially order the extradition to be blocked. The last four and a half years have taken the most considerable toll on Julian and his family, including our two young sons, said his wife, Stella, who he married in prison. Hell yeah. The persecution of this innocent journalist and publisher must end. All right. What are your thoughts on Julian Assange, Michael? Who's a patriot? I I knew you would love him. I mean, I knew you would love him. And what about the uh, what about the other one, the one who hooked up with Pam Anderson? What? There was a uh, was it Snowden? Oh oh wait wait let me see. I forgot. I kind of. Oh no! It was it was Julian Assange hooked up with Pam Anderson. Yeah, she went over there a bunch of times to visit him one on one. So, oh, oh yeah, they definitely. There's no way if Pam Anderson they fucked for sure is coming to visit you in another country. You're fucking. You're yeah. fucking Pam Anderson. Well, not necessarily though, because she does a lot of work. I mean, I don't know specifically. She does a lot of work for animal rights. So, like, if she was showing up for animal rights related things, she's not fucking you. Um, wait, uh, if the Hollywood reporter, this is from January 31st of this year, Pamela Anderson explains why she went on public facing missions to help Julian Assange in new memoir. The actress details the great lengths she went to fight for the WikiLeaks founder in Love, Pamela. I tried to find more clever ways to help my friend to bring attention to Julian's wrongful incarceration. So maybe not. Pamela Anderson's unlikely relationship with Julian Assange isn't just surface level, with the actress and author expressing a profound connection with the WikiLeaks founder built on mutual respect in her memoir, Love, Pamela. The Baywatch actress detailed in her newly released book, well, this is like a plug for the book, but she would regularly visit a Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. She added that their friendship didn't stop when he was sent to the Supermax prison that she and that she requested to be the first to visit him. It was a shocking experience. The five checkpoints, the shouting and screaming while we crossed through the yard to go through a separate entrance. Anderson explained in her book, it was the most frightening place I've ever visited. Assange doesn't belong there. Assange, blah, 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 blah. let's see what else is happening. She came to my hotel room Could and you, what? Sorry, you just thinking about those other prisoners yeah. who are in a supermax jail in Europe and out of nowhere, the woman who's like just got to TV in your country yeah. shows up. Like, think about it, right? They're still 20 years behind us in a lot of these uh, European countries w- with our pop culture. So it's like Pam Anderson 20 walks years? in. 20 years? 40 years, whatever. That seems like a lot. <laughs> I'm just processing. I'm, j- I'm telling you, yeah. they'd be like, damn, Baywatch is here. What? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> She came to my hotel room and met me with a warm embrace, a strong hugger just like her son, she explained in the memoir. Uh, let's see. Hmm. While she struggled. 
Everyone has strong feelings about Assange from every different angle, but Pamela is so drawn to Julian Assange because she sees him as the most extreme example of transparency and the truth. That runs the, th- I, the that runs the through line of Pamela's entire life. You can draw that back to her parents and honesty and relationships. Pamela is just desperate for direct honesty and romanticism in every way. She sees Assange and WikiLeaks as the extreme version of speaking truth to power. I mean, I also love truth, but like. This is interesting. I mean, I was just trying to see if they fucked, but she has really, really weird taste in men. Like, she gets married to, like, not-so-good-looking guys, like, a lot. And is definitely still in love with Tommy Lee. That's my assessment after watching the documentary. Who else she got married to? Like, she, Kid Rock? She's married to, like, she was married to, during the documentary that they just released, a literal nobody in Canada. Mm-hmm. I think they're already divorced, though. For real? Yeah, just some guy. Literally some guy. <laughs> just some guy like it's on the table for all of us damn oh she married rick solomon twice <laughs> who, who is that it's the guy who uh he cheated on oh. a shannon doherty in the the sex tape with paris hilton oh god wow yeah became I, professional poker player i hope he oh okay yeah. okay yeah everything about him is scummy yep hot amazing yeah she i mean she has bad taste in guys for sure uh but you know many of us do uh okay um i forgot about that while wow, that was a trip down memory memory lane now the f- final story of uh today's show the main story guys this is about our enemy of the state greg abbott about migrants and about texas and uh michael noted that i was going hard on texas two weeks in a row and to that i say be better no, I hate when people say that. I hate when people are just like, do when they say do better and they think it's like a mic drop moment, do better. Uh, okay, relax. Uh, this is from- Hey, Texas, can you do the work? Yeah, can you do the work? Can you, I'm not, Texas, I'm not here to educate you. Oh my God. I fucking hate everyone. Okay. Texas, why? I mean, but your politics really are trash though. Your comedy scene is, your, your comedy is good. Or your comedy audiences are good. Politics are trash. But I think that's what makes the comedy audiences so good, honestly. It's the mix of progressives and archaic minds that that make the laughter so good. I'm That's what I'm convinced of. That's why I thought the laughter in New Jersey would be better. But New Jersey is actually one of my least favorite places to perform. They just don't got the edge in the audiences. No, New Jersey just wants Sopranos impressions. Oh, God. Like, that's all they're looking for when they go out. Yeah, I, I gotta, I'm, I'm extremely underwhelmed by New Jersey audiences, which sucks because that's my home state, but not good. Um, all right. Texas takes, this is from Fox News. This is the right take, um, meaning the right side, not the right, not the correct take, meaning Republican take. Uh, Texas takes historic action, arrests thousands of migrants. We've moved beyond chaos. Governor... Greg Abbott wheels himself, assigns law, giving state policy authority to arrest migrants for criminal trespassing. Mm. And of course, it starts with a video because, you know, Fox um, readers aren't good at the reading part. A top Texas police official spoke with Fox and Friends Tuesday about how the state is taking matters into its own hands to address mass illegal immigration as arrests of migrants have begun at the border. Um, and what I will say in defense of them before we get into it is that, you know, we have to take into account 
that Texas is right there, right? So like their stance on immigration, you know, I understand that it's more more of a like an issue, right? And to say that like everyone's just allowed, we don't we don't have the resource. I mean, we have the resources to take care of our own people. So it is a conversation. I'm not just saying like fuck this, everyone should be uh, uh allowed in, but it's the like lack of empathy and the way that we treat other human beings. Um as far as um, you know, uh, my what is the proper word to use? is migrants the proper word to use now uh, are concerned that is the issue. Um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Monday signed a new law giving police the authority to arrest migrants who cross the border illegally. At the signing ceremony, Governor Abbott said the goal of Senate Bill Four was to stop the tidal wave of illegal entry into Texas. Once in custody, migrants can either agree to a judge's order to leave the U.S. or be prosecuted on misdemeanor charges of illegal entry. Migrants who don't comply could face arrest again under more serious felony charges. And like, but these, so like, but then, but then when we're talking about like, so who's paying for these? I mean, we, we as the American people are paying for this incarceration yeah no like how is i don't understand what what is happening like wouldn't a more empathetic way and like you're still spending the same amount of money be to to see if we can you know have them then take the legal steps to become citizens like because we're spending mother money either way so why don't we do it spend money empathetically um texas dps lieutenant Chris Oliveras said Abbott is taking the fight to the federal government and standing up for residents and law enforcement with a historic action. He spoke to hosts. Sorry, I keep yawning. I'm, I don't know. I just don't have any air out here. We're in a basement. Um, he spoke to host Lawrence Jones after more than 4,000 migrants were taken into custody on Monday. This is not your ordinary border situation. I think we moved beyond chaos, and now this situation has gotten much worse. This is deliberate inaction by the federal government to secure our border, he added. Olivera said mass illegal immigration is a form of criminal trespassing and the new legislation holds individuals accountable for crossing illegally. He said the new law gives authorities broader authority to use the criminal trespass charge. Former acting ICE director Tom Homan said on Fox and Friends first Tuesday that the Biden administration hasn't done a single thing to stop the flow of migrants forcing Texas to act. This isn't mismanagement and incompetence. It's by design. Biden ran and open um, ran on open borders, said Homan. And you've got to give him credit. He's kept his promise. I salute Governor Abbott. We've got to protect this country. How many people off the terrorist watch list have been arrested? A historic number. Governor, Governor Abbott is trying to protect Texas. And in doing so, he's protecting this country. What are we talking about? Are there that many people on the terrorist watch list coming from Mexico? That doesn't that doesn't seem like it, it, it would be just like drug cartels and stuff, if anyone. And I don't think they need to use a legal entry. I think they would have a way to get in because they fucking know people like. I don't think that's where at least the people, you know, uh, as we talk about terrorists in the Baha'i in the eye of the beholder. So I just. I'm unclear on what they mean, because for us, usually when we say terrorist in the U.S., I'm often we're talking about 
people from the Middle East. Are you looking this up or are you just typing onion rings where to order? My what? My onion ring? Where <laughs> I said, to order? Well, I saw you typing and I wanted to see if you were helping the show or if you were door dashing something to the studio. Again? No, I'm good. <laughs> um, no, I was I was actually typing a, a conversation with the EP of the network about something. I love how you made that sound so high end. I did. Mm, it is. All right. Can you look how many people from the terrorist watch list? Oh, wait, there's a link right here. Can I just go to it? All right. U.S. should act like terrorist sleeper cells are already here. Border. Yeah, because, yeah. And then this article goes on to talk about Hamas and Hezbollah, which is Middle Eastern stuff. Like, so they're they're com- trying to conflate these two stories. No, they're not uh, from October. But, but that's what this, but this direct link in here is in, in the, in the title. It's talking about Hamas. But how many people from I want to know how many people from Mexico are on the terrorist watch list? I'm sure, you know, a good number from October. You're so excited to tell me this number. I am. You keep you keep I'm I'm, I'm about to do a big flourish from October last year to this September. Officials at the southern border arrested 169 people whose names match those on the watch list from Mexico. Yeah, they were coming in at the southern border. So. And then how many people are on the terrorist watch list total, though? Because 169 doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, I guess if there's 169, they caught at the border. You know how many people get through the border every day we don't know about? Okay. So how many people are on the terrorist watch list total? It just seems low. We, we love to use terrorists loosey-goosey here. That's why I think feel it's, it's low. I mean, I'm probably on a fucking terrorist watch list somewhere. It's 2 million people on the list. Okay, so one sixty nine out of two million—that's not—that's small potatoes. The ones that were caught. You're so angry. I'm just so confused. What? What? Like doesn't seem like a lot. I just don't think. My point is, I don't think most of them are coming from Mexico. If a hundred and seventy ish. Yeah, I, no, I, I I hear the numbers. I get it. Got caught. Of there's two million people on the list. Mm-hmm. Chance. A lot. It's a lot. It's right. a lot of terrorists. Okay. But if thousands are coming over the border every mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. right? And they, they know that of all those people, 170 of them were terrorists. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, you know, let's, let's, hold on. I'll, I'll do the, I'll do, I'll do some numbers on this. All right. I'm the Googling what gets you put on the terrorist watch list. All right. So there was an actual article that ABC News did that about how the terrorist watch list works and this is from 2016 but i'm sure it's the same thing all right so let's see as of okay so we've we since 2013 we've doubled the terrorist watch list okay because as of july 2013 according to this article it just says it contained more than one million names which means probably like a million and two um and uh, according to leaked government documents, a about 280,000 of the names have no recognized terrorist group affiliation, according to the documents first released by The Intercept in 2014. Once a name goes into Tide, it becomes part of a consolidated terrorist watch list run by the FBI's Terrorist Screening Center. Subsequent lists run by various government agencies also draw from the Tide list. How can you get on the list? This is what I need to know. 
The process for placing an individual on watch lists begins with originators who range from everyday citizens to federal agents. Social media posts. I I bet I'm on one. Social media posts. Do they tell you? Do they set? Do they leave a rose in your locker like you're getting summoned to a sorority? Social media posts can also trigger a process for placing individuals on the list. Once an originator passes along a name to law enforcement, counterterrorism officials rely on elastic set of guidelines in order to add an individual. Agencies must have reasonable suspicion or articulable evidence that the person is a known or suspected terrorist, according to a document detailing watch listing guidance compiled by the National Counterterrorism Center in March of 2013 and first obtained by The Intercept. The document admits that irrefutable evidence and concrete facts are not necessary. Information about immediate family members and known associates of known or suspected terrorists can also be added to the watch list without any suspicion that they themselves are engaged in terrorism. Um, What happens when you're on the watch list? Once your name goes on a list, and again, like, Fucking like Kathy Griffin was on a no-fly list for the uh, Trump head thing picture. Um, Once your name goes on a list, your information can be shared with the CIA, FBI, the U.S. Department of Defense, state local tribal police, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, U.S. Department of State, U.S. uh, Agency for International Development and Foreign Partners, according to the documents. From there, your name can be placed into individual watch lists, such as the U.S. Transportation Security Administration's no-fly and selectee lists. The no-fly list, which began with just 16 names after 9-11, wait for it, has since grown to contain at least 47,000 names, contains individuals prohibited from boarding a plane, while the selectee list triggers enhanced screening at airports. Neither list prohibits individuals from purchasing guns. (laughs) This country. How can you get off the list? Individuals who believe they have been wrongfully added to a watch list can file a complaint through a redress program, which launches an internal review not subject to oversight by any court or entity outside the counterterrorism community, according to the documents. The review can result in a removal of an individual's name, but the individual won't necessarily be notified because of the government maintains a general policy to neither confirm nor deny an individual's watch list status, according to the documents. Individuals can even be kept on the list after being acquitted of a terrorism charge if authorities still have a reasonable suspicion. Not even death can prevent an individual from being added to the watch list because the names of people who have already died can remain or even be placed on the list if authorities believe terrorists may use the the deceased's identity. What a beautiful way to live on. What a memorial. The National Counterterrorism Center did not immediately respond to a request for comment but has said the watchlist program is a critical layer in our counterterrorism defenses. Okay, okay, we're learning, we're growing, we're doing it. Um, okay, so I did my math. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, uh, so uh, <laughs> based on the you know the, the 170 people that were caught, uh-huh. uh, it was a total of- It was 169, you're fudging numbers. 169 is what mm-hmm. I put in the calculations. Okay. Um, 
So of the 169 people that were caught, uh, there was 280-something thousand people that were caught in total last year. So I did a percentage of what percent of the the, the total people were, were terrorists, mm-hmm. right? And then I looked at the total number mm-hmm. that come over every day mm-hmm. and times it out by 365. Then I divided that uh, by that same number, and okay. it came out to uh, roughly 1,150 terrorists got through. If they were as good as the average person at getting over. And they're probably better because they're terrorists. But my thing is like my and then what I was reading about just then was like, it seems like it doesn't take much to get put on the terrorist watch list. Just like the kind of terrorism that when we as Americans talk about terrorism and that we fear now post 9-11 I don't think those are ter- the, like I don't think those are terrorists who are coming from Mexico. The kind of terrorism that we fear when we say the word terrorism. And again, terrorism loosey goosey. What? Why not though? I mean, if it's our easiest point of access for people who want to get here illegally, but I don't why think it's wouldn't... people who are like blowing shit up, which is the kind of terrorism that we're scared of. I'm guessing these are people who are like in drug rings and stuff. Can you? Because I mean, I think you would still be placed on a no fly list if you're like part of the cartel. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like, you know, there's certainly heinous crimes happening in Mexico, but there's heinous crimes happening here, too. What makes you terrorist? What is that? What does it even mean? So on the FBI.gov, what is it? Yeah. So international terrorism is just. It, violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups who are inspired by or associated with designated foreign terrorist organizations or nations. I mean, it's very. But like then they go into talking about 9-11 almost immediately, which is like we just didn't we didn't even fucking talk about terrorism before 9-11 really in America. We, that wasn't something that we were talking about regularly. Not that I even trust the FBI.gov, but. And then domestic terrorism, they're defining as violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influence, such as those of political, religious, social, racial or environmental nature. Because I'm like that domestic terrorism sounds more like what I think of when I think of terrorism, whereas international terrorism, they're kind of just calling anyone who's like. A, a criminal, a terrorist. It seems when we talk to when we talk about international relations, which I which I understand. Obviously, you don't want anyone who's been like who's a known criminal. They you're, we're certainly going to ban them from entering the country. But like, what does it mean? You know, are we calling people who like robbed a store once a a, a, a terrorist? I'm not, but I mean, I'm I, not. I know. I look. Then you're uh, you're on the no fly list. <laughs> I don't think, look, I don't know. All right. Well, I, I have to, we're going to get cut off again because I have like five minutes to read this in the last article and everyone's going to complain again. If it gets cut off, just so you guys know, it, it doesn't mean that's not included in the um, episode. It just means that you have to watch to YouTube because fucking Legion of Skanks is on at fucking 8 p.m. on uh, Tuesdays now. Or just watch it in gas in its entirety. And A lot of times the people have been saying that there's been problems with gas digital. What a surprise. No. Uh, yeah. Very surprising. Gas yeah. digital is great. Okay. 
All right. Well, Mike gets paid directly by gas digital. I don't. Uh, Washington Post. Uh, this is from Washington Post, the other side of uh, Wheels's uh, immigration story. Uh, ACLU sues uh, Abbott over law giving state police immigration arrest powers. A group of Texas civil and immigrant rights organizations, El Paso County, and the American Civil Liberties Union filed a lawsuit Tuesday challenging the constitutionality of a new law empowering state law enforcement to arrest and deport immigrants suspected of entering illegally from Mexico. Texas Governor Greg Abbott welcomed the expected legal challenges in a defiant speech Monday as he signed SB4. The law sets up a potential showdown between Texas and the federal government over who has ultimate authority to protect borders and enforce immigration law. Immigration is a quintessentially federal authority, the complaint reads, arguing the law violates the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution. A state cannot replace Congress's immigrant scheme with its own. The law, which goes into effect in March, also gives Texas courts the power to order immigrants suspected of entering the state illegally to return to the country through which they entered. These laws will help stop the tidal wave of illegal entry into Texas, Abbott said in a statement. El Paso County commissioners, who have presided over some of the largest influxes of migrants into its community, voted unanimously this week to sue the governor over the law's expected implementation and potential costs to taxpayers. Several city immigrant rights organizations joined the lawsuit representing a community that has borne the brunt of changing immigration policy and managing housing for large numbers of asylum seekers. I feel like that's one of the main problems when we talk about um, immigration. It's because from the entry points, they're all ending like it's a couple states that are taking the brunt of the uh, migrants uh, as far as a numbers game. Right. So like what if there was like a program? I mean, there are many programs have existed over the years, but it seems like if you, you say, OK, you can. You know, we can process you. You can start the process of becoming a, a citizen. But and here's a list of states that you can live in where the population isn't so dense, Montana, um, and then divvy it up. And then, you know, I feel like then one state doesn't have to bear uh, the brunt of it financially, space wise, et cetera. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down elements of an Arizona law that gave state officials certain powers to enforce immigration policies in 2012, ruling that immigration enforcement is a federal responsibility, but a legal challenge to Texas's legislation come before a more conservative bench. The law is the latest in a drumbeat of increasingly aggressive tactics by Abbott to address the historic numbers of people seeking asylum and crossing the Texas border. His administration has bused tens of thousands of migrants to U.S. cities, deployed hundreds of Texas National Guard soldiers to place buoys in the Rio Grande and string razor wire on the Texas riverbank, empowered state troopers to arrest migrants on private property. And, you know, they're being fucking awful and charge them with state crimes. His latest effort is. His latest effort is widely expected to face legal challenges, which the governor has said he welcomes. Abbott has said repeatedly that he wants to force the Supreme Court to weigh in on what role Texas should have in stemming the record high cross-border migration of the last several years. uh, President Biden's deliberate inaction has left Texas to fend for itself, Abbott said in his statement. 
uh, Monday. Abbott also signed legislation passed after an unprecedented four special sessions of the Texas legislature that authorized $1.54 billion more in state border wall construction funding and sets a 10-year mandatory minimum sentence for human smuggling. There were more than 2 million illegal crossings at the southwest border with Mexico for each of the past two fiscal years, ending September 30th, according to data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Entering the United States other than through an approved crossing is already illegal under federal law and is policed by federal authorities. However, migrants have a legal risk to a legal right to ask for protection when they step on U.S. soil, regardless of how they entered. The new Texas law criminalizes illegal entry under state law. Leaders of smaller agencies have said allocating resources to enforce immigration law could divert attention from protecting their communities. The governor's Operation Lone Star has already overwhelmed small county jails and prosecutors with dockets full of cases of migrant men and recently women arrested on trespassing charges. I don't have space in my jail, said Maverick County Sheriff Tom Schmerber. His county is home to Eagle Pass, where federal officials recently closed down border bridges and railways where 1,000 to 5,000 migrants a day regularly attempt to cross the border. I don't know what we are going to do with all that. Some larger city and county departments have said they are concerned enforcing the new law will make them vulnerable to accusations of racial profiling and instill fear in immigrant communities with whom they've spent years building trust. Cesar Espinosa, executive director of the Houston civil rights organization Feel, said they have been holding well-attended town halls about the new measures with local leaders and police for their 1,600 members, many of whom are immigrants and undocumented. At any given moment, he said 79 different law enforcement agencies, from constables to school resource officers in the Houston area alone, will have this new power under the law. That will weigh heavily on the minds of immigrants who comp uh, who comprise a significant portion of the Texas labor force and contribute to its economic success, he said. The substance and symbolism of this hateful bill strikes at the core of who we are as Americans, said Representative Armando Wale, Democrat. This is Texas's Prop 187 moment, as it was in California. It's worse than SB 1070 in Arizona, Wally said, referring to two similar laws that galvanized voters in those states. The latter was blocked by the U.S. Supreme Court. The new Texas laws are also a reflection of former President Donald Trump's continuing rhetoric demonizing immigrants he deemed illegal, Wally said. Over the weekend, Trump accused undocumented immigrants of waging an invasion of the United States, drawing renewed criticism of his rhetoric towards undocumented immigrants. Abbott endorsed Trump last month for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination during an event at a border community 30 miles from the Hidalgo port of entry, which has received thousands of men, women, and children from across the hemisphere. This is history, what we're doing today, and I hope it starts a conversation with the federal government. A country that doesn't have a border ceases to be country, said Senator Charles Perry, uh, Republican, who sponsored the bill, adding that he's confident of its constitutionality. Perry claimed migrants who cross the border illegally have cost Texas more than $12 billion in medical, education, and other costs. He also noted public safety risks associated with drug and human trafficking 
on the border. Notice how they mentioned the money first, though. All right, guys, that's our main story of the week. That has been this week's episode of Without a Country. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope you have a uh, a wonderful uh, Christmas if you celebrate it. Please make sure to follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and threads and all the things at Philanthropy Gal. Follow. I know me, even if you don't go on a social media that often, if you listen to my content um, and you don't follow me, just uh, hitting that follow button helps so much more than you know. And obviously tell a friend about the show, share a reel on your Instagram story. All of that is amazing. You can follow Without a Country podcast on Instagram as well. And you can uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel to help, even if that's not the way that you consume the podcast at Without a Country Podcast. If you want to see me live, New Year's Eve, baby girls and boys, I am doing Corinne Fisher's morbid New Year's Eve show again. It's 6 p.m. at the New York Comedy Club in the East Village. Always such a fun show. Last year, this show was so, so, so fun. It's a perfect way to start your New Year's off because then you go to the show at 6 o'clock, you pregame a little, and then you have the rest of your night to enjoy the ball drop and the parties and whatever else you engage in. Um, please test your fucking – if you are using cocaine and you are not testing it, you're out of your goddamn mind. Please test your drugs. Um, it is – you can – there's many organizations that send you a drug testing kit for free, but just think about it in advance. Uh, and uh, so New Year's Eve, uh, again, the show is going to be me. It's going to be Christina Hutchinson, Ryan Long, John Campanelli, Justin Silver, and Chloe LeBranch. Uh, great, great, great lineup. The ticket link is already available in the Linktree link in my bio or at NewYorkComedyClub.com. Again, it's the East Village location, uh, which leaves you in a great neighborhood to hang out for the rest of New Year's Eve. And then looking forward to next year, uh, February 1st is the next Guys We Fucked Live show at the MasterCard Midnight Theater. Ticket link is up for that. And then February 29th through March 2nd, March 1st, March 2nd, I forgot to do it, whatever, the, that weekend, I'm headlining DC Comedy Loft in Washington, DC. Ticket link is already up for that. And I'm going to be doing some more shows. I mean, of course, Gash in um, Los Angeles, I'll continue to do in 2024. And then I'm going to be going on a small, um, you know, tour in 2024 to some cities I haven't been to in a while. I can't announce them yet, but stay tuned for that. I'll get you all the ticket links and information. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate it. Uh, be safe and go look for Shelly Miscavige. Bye. Bye.